0: All right, twenty eighth Sunday, Deacon David. What is up, Father? Oh, nothing much. All right, so just looking at some readings. How are you? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. So <laughs> I may actually preach this week. Oh yeah, I'm not sure yet. I'm not on a really strict preaching schedule, but I just got assigned a parish here in Madrid. Uh huh. So now that I've been assigned a parish, I'm going to be put on the rotation for preaching.
1: Cool. Now let me ask you this. This was this is a unscripted question right. that I just now thought of. Mm-hmm. So we we record this podcast every week. That's right. Looking at the readings from the USCCB website. That's right. How and you're preaching in Spanish. That's true. With a different translation? Yes. Of a different translation, probably.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: Um how does that how does that match up or does it at all? I mean, I'm sure it does in some ways. In most of ways probably.
0: Um well, I got to say, I have to start from scratch when I, <laughs> when I switch languages, I have to start from scratch. Um uh-huh. So I, I, like when you and I talk about this stuff in English, which is very helpful for me, I do have some ideas in the back of my mind of what's useful, but I got to tell you when I read the readings in Spanish, different words stand out, different, sure. uh, different images stand out just because the words are evocative of different images. And yeah, it's just the, the language is more than just convenience it changes the way in which I interact with the text. Mm-hmm. So I almost have to start from from scratch and pray with the text in Spanish and see what comes of it, you know? Um, mm. I find sometimes that when I read the readings in Spanish after having recorded this, I find that the things that we talked about are not as important to me as, <laughs> as they were when we recorded. Um, yeah, that's cool. They're the same readings, clearly, and it's the same main idea. Like yesterday's readings were still about the mustard seed, Um, Mm -hmm. but different things will stand out. And this is, this is an idea that I've been thinking a lot about since we first started studying theology is that it's one of the reasons that I actually wanted to move to Spain is that language is not just incidental and you just make translations of of concepts. Concepts are affected by language. So by learning theology for me in Spanish, it's given me a different kind of education than it would be if I was just learning in English and then just translating everything in my head, you know? Sure.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's an interesting thing to think about as well. Like, um, as you know, I don't know how many of our listeners to the show know, I really like um, myth and symbol and all of these wonderful uh, art beauty. Um, and that seems to be a little bit what you're getting at there, that the truth of the text is more than just what words are being used. Mm-hmm. And that's religious. That's how we understand scripture anyways.
0: Yeah. I mean, things are definitely different when you read them in a different language and it's not a different message. It's not a different scripture, but things change. Nuances mm-hmm. are revealed that are otherwise hidden. Um That's cool. Which, yeah. And it probably would help if I start reading both as we prepare for these recordings in the future. Um,
1: yeah. Well, it could be cool if, you know, I look at the English and you look at the Spanish and we just kind of compare notes.
0: That's a good idea. Yeah. We'll try that. Um I got to tell you, the Spanish translation is really beautiful. It's a really well-done translation. So it's actually a translation that the Conference of Spanish Bishops did specifically for the lectionary. Really? Yeah. And so, yeah, so it works really well, which I think is not unlike the USCCB with their New American Bible translation. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right.
0: So it has as a vision for the the lectionary to be the, the main use of it. Um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so anyway, yeah, so that's a really good question. I'm gonna keep that in mind this week when I prepare the homily for Sunday, that see what stands out as a difference. But it is interesting that when I approach them, I kind of approach them brand new, um as if I'd never seen them before. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, ter- that's cool. turns of phrases, images, all those things are are fresh.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I could just imagine. I mean, like last week, what was the um, stir into flame? Was that super evocative? Oh, yeah. Image from from Saint Paul. Right, right. That may not have made as much sense in Spanish or have the same impact,
0: or might not have actually used the same image. Uh, I can't remember yeah. what what it says, but it might not have been fire for that matter. Or it, it, mm, it's mm. it's likely that it was, but it could have not have been. You know, like it could yeah, have been some yeah, other yeah. way of saying that phrase. Um, yeah. So anyway, and that'll oh, change. Cool. That'll change everything. The presence of fire in the image in English evokes the Holy Spirit. Evokes any number of things. Right. Um, yeah, this is one of the reasons I like like prepping the homily in the language that you're going to preach in uh, mm-hmm. matters a lot. Um, and, and you also got to, I think, prep in the language that you're going of the of the congregation that's going to be listening to as well. Um, which is a challenge for people who are not bilingual, because for you to preach in Spanish, for example, you'd probably have to write the text in English and then translate right, exactly. it exactly, and then read it you know? exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, good. So, uh, yeah, how did preaching go for you this past week? I imagine you preached at the parish.
1: I, uh, yeah, I did. It was pretty good. Um, you know, again, I'm kind of on this simplicity kick for my homilies. You know, have them; they're pretty short, like under 10 minutes. Um, and I really just want to kind of emphasize a single point. And this week it was increase our faith. Mm. Really a lot of of what we talked about in, in last week's episode about, you know, the mustard seed isn't doesn't tell us that we need to be given faith, but that we have been given faith through our baptism. Yeah. And so what we need to do is stir into flame that faith, that which we've been given.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah. You know, that now that you just said that, it, it reminds me that that would have been a really interesting image or set of readings for confirmation because, mm-hmm, you know. Absolutely. The stirring into flame, but then also this increasing of faith because we have faith from baptism, but then there's a strengthening of faith by the gift of the Holy right. Spirit.
1: Right. Good, good. So, I thought it went well.
0: Good. <laughs> you know, I always do. I think I'm a brilliant <laughs> preacher. <laughs>
1: yeah, we should ask your parishioners
0: what they think? <laughs> yeah, let's not do that <laughs> so, uh, what would be your one image for this week This week we have Naaman in uh Second Kings, and then we have the lepers in Luke. Do you have an image that yeah, the yeah, sign?
1: the one that returned yeah. um yeah, you know, I mean, it's a lot of healing going on mm-hmm. um which is great. I love preaching on healing um we get to talk about that love that God shows for us, um. And and I think the beauty of this of this uh, gospel reading is, um, you know, this question that Jesus has: Where are the other nine?
2: Hmm.
1: Like, and here is the one that you would least expect. He's the one that comes back. Yeah. Um, I think there is something there because we often, you know, in this in in our day and age, we want to we want to just say, oh well, I can. We want to categorize people. We want to put them in nice little. Boxes mm-hmm. and say this is the type of person that will do this. That's the type of person that will do this. I like him and I don't like him. Um, but Jesus really turns that on its head and says, "No, <laughs> stop. Um, some are going to come back, some are not, and you're really not going to be able to tell which one
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: because it's the spirit of God that moves us, not yeah. the spirit of you know so,
0: CNN or whatever." So in in your case, you're focusing on him being a Samaritan. Right, being an other and you're yeah, surprised and you're surprised that he comes back. Um I mean there's a you know I, Go ahead.
1: Yeah. No no, no that's fine. I was just gonna say that, no. you know,
0: with Naaman too, Naaman was not a worshiper of the one true god. So there's right. there's a there's a emphasis here as if the other day at Daily Mass we had the was it this morning? Actually it was this morning. Today's Monday. So it was <laughs> this morning we had the um the Good Samaritan. You
1: who's, yeah, who's my neighbor?
0: Yeah, and so there's all of this language here of the other becoming the one that God focuses on to bring in salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. So we have Naaman, and then we also have, in Second Timothy, we have Paul, of course, um, who was also somebody who was an unexpected missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mm-hmm. you have this Samaritan who becomes a missionary. He he comes back, and he gives thanks to God. Um, I think in other versions, correct me if I'm wrong, but in other versions, doesn't he go and then start preaching? <laughs> And telling people of what God has done. I
1: don't know. Um,
0: know, Maybe. Yeah, so anyway, I think there's an interesting thing there that you're saying, that people who we would otherwise think are not in the in crowd or deserving of healing or whatever, but God does something with them too.
1: Yeah, you know, and going back to the readings for, um, for Monday, along with the Good Samaritan, we have Jonah in the first reading.
0: Oh, from Monday, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and it's the same kind of thing, you know, he doesn't want to go to the Assyrians because they're historical enemies. <laughs> uh, and, and then on the other hand, he says to God, look, I know you're going to show them mercy. Why do I even need to go? Mm. You know, it's kind of a uh, covering his own basis for not wanting to go to his, to his racial enemies. Mm. Um, and God says, no, you you need to go there. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. need to preach this. Yeah, um, you need to go outside of that comfort zone, and you need to be there for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that that brings up an interesting point from this week's readings that I I focus on a little bit, and this is so I'm in theology studies, and so I, my mind can sometimes go into the abstract, and so maybe just I'll pivot there for a second, but then I'll come back. Um, I think there was a there was something going on here that made me think a lot about how. We have two dimensions in the readings for both Naaman and with uh, the Samaritans. And the first dimension is an objective dimension, which is that God does things to and for us. In the case of Naaman, he's bathed and his flesh becomes healed. And then in the gospel, there is the transformation of um, the leper into a healed man. So God does things to us and for us. But then there's another dimension, which is a subjective dimension, which is in 2 Kings, you see Naaman, he says, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. So his response or his subjective response to God's initiative is one of belief, of faith. Yeah. And then you also have that in Luke where you have God cleanses him. He's That's done. But then he has a subjective response, which is to express gratitude. And then Jesus says, your faith has saved you. So I think for me... This week's readings carry on from a little bit of last week's, which is the central question is, what is faith? What do Mm. do we mean by faith? Because Jesus ends it by saying it's faith has saved him. So, okay, what is faith? I think faith has both an objective and a subjective dimension. The objective dimension is that God acts on us and does for us good things. He saves us, delivers us, and there is an element of faith that's that, that God's side of the equation. But then there's Mm the us side of the equation, which is our subjective response. And I think this week the challenge is, does our subjective response correspond to the gift that's been received? In the case of Naaman, it's belief and praise. And in the case of the leper, it's thanksgiving. So there's, I think, a a dynamic here of God acts in our lives and does things. And then we are asked to respond. You know, And you mentioned a little bit with Jonah that God wants Jonah to go do something and to be available for that. So I don't know, I was just thinking about it in those two terms. And if I were to boil it down really quick to just maybe a lesson or like something to preach on. First, I would say to my congregants or the people listening, I would say like, you know, God can heal you, God can work in your life and do stuff for you. Are you open to that? And if God does intervene in your life, how do you respond? Do you respond with faith? Or do you respond, you know, entitled or... You know nonchalant mm-hmm. or ambivalent about it,
1: yeah, I like that, um, and it it really ties in well with that image of the mustard seed, you know one of the ways that I ended my homily last week is to say, look this this seed has been given to us, that's grace, that's baptism, yeah, objective we have to plant- we have to plant it, we have to cultivate it, yeah. we have to allow it to grow and to flourish,
0: yeah, subjective boom um.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. And oftentimes, and and it is interesting that the story from Luke ends with Jesus saying, Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not the magic trick that does the magic thing. There is no magic thing. The miraculous happens, um, but it's faith that has saved you.
0: Yeah. And faith, I think maybe we could define it in this case as the encounter of the objective with the subjective. That there's a Absolutely. a relationship there that god acts and we respond um and both of those things are aspects of faith um and i think there's a great like sacramental theology here right that god does things for us in the case of naaman clearly baptism is happening here right the water imagery mm-hmm. and so there's a whole mm-hmm. homily to be had there about you know the theology of baptism of restoring that which was lost through sickness by water um That's really beautiful, and there's a theology of sacrament there that God does something actually to us and for us, in us, and then the response that we should have when we've been baptized, when we've been given the Eucharist, when we've been confirmed, when we've been forgiven, is to rejoice and believe and to give thanks. And without giving thanks, then we're not really keeping up our side of the deal here, right? That God, it's a two-way street here. There's a relationship here, you know?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, the, yeah the, I like that a lot. There's that. There's that line that God. God can save us, but God won't save us without us. Um,
1: well, look at Second Timothy. If we have died with Him, we shall also live with Him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We've got to actually do do that. We've got to give up ourselves. We've got to die, literally die with, not literally.
0: Yeah. but No, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, we have to die to ourselves. What? There's yeah. I mean, the death of the body is one thing, but true death is the death of the soul or the death of right. ourselves to sin. Um, yeah. Yeah, God doesn't want to save us without us. He wants our cooperation. And yeah, there's a whole thing well, there about and, our responding.
1: Yeah, and go back to a couple of weeks ago with the rich man and Lazarus. Like, if you don't die to yourself, then not even somebody coming, somebody coming from the dead, being raised from the dead, will convince you. Right. Um, what good are, what good is all of this if you can't even listen to what the prophets and what Moses said? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. It's like, you I mean, you got to get off your butt here and you got to participate in God saving work, you know? And yeah. the face of that with Naaman is praise and conversion. And the face of that with the Samaritan is Thanksgiving and also just the realization that he's been healed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a great invitation there for us is that like in my own examination of my own life, do I see God working in my life? And then if I do, then how do I respond to that? And if I don't, then how do I respond to that? You know, Um what's my response? And I think the Jonah example was a really good one, too, is like God is intervening and Jonah is re- rejecting, rejecting. Mm-hmm. Um And there's a bit of an exaggerated story there that God will intervene anyway, you know, which God does. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to point out... Yeah, our God
1: is a jealous God.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if you... I, I was thinking when I was reading the the reading from Second Kings, I was wondering what the context was, because we pick up halfway through chapter 5, and I couldn't remember the first half of the story. Um, yeah. There was a line in the first half of the story, if you go back and read the first 13 verses, that I thought was really fascinating, uh, going on the sacrament kick. Uh, Naaman, at one point, says, uh, in a paraphrasing, but says why do i have to go to the prophet why can't god just heal me now uh-huh and that just sounded a lot like the objections that people will have <laughs> about sacraments you know like absolutely confession yeah like why do i have to confess my sins to god why do i have to be baptized by a minister of the church why why can't god just be enough for me in my own private life you know hmm. um but no god wants the cooperation of his church and of his ministers to bring about the salvation mm-hmm. of everybody
1: yeah i like that you know, I am trying to preach more about the need for frequent reception of the sacraments, not just Eucharist, but confession and mm. and all those other ones. So that could be a really good way for me to, to go about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would encourage you to go back in the first the first half of that chapter. Naaman has to be convinced to go to the prophet. It's not just a, uh-huh. a foregone conclusion. He has to be convinced yeah. to do so. And once he realizes that the, the prophet is the one who actually can do this thing, that God will work it through him um Then he goes and he submits himself to that
1: mm-hmm. no i like that i like that a lot
0: um yeah anyway i i mean i i would probably i don't know if i will if i preach this sunday focus on the sacraments is because it can be kind of I, I get nervous i don't know if you think about this but i get nervous with people in the congregation sort of tuning out once i start sort of like speaking in terms of you know, categories like the sacraments or it's like, do people just turn off and tune out and be like, oh, well, here goes father yeah. Well, preaching about the things that he's supposed to preach about? You know, what do you think?
1: Maybe, maybe, but I mean, not everybody's going to tune out hmm. and maybe the person that really needs to hear it will.
2: Tune in. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Um, yeah. I would, I would be hesitant to, to encourage you to preach a generalized message. That everybody will be pleased with, because that will never happen. Yeah, that's true. That's true. and that's not the gospel. <laughs> right, right,
0: right, right. Huh. That's good. That's good.
1: I mean, you don't want to. You don't want to be up there preaching something that you know is boring and nobody cares about.
0: Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I think, but for me, I probably wouldn't start the homily with the sacraments. But I probably talk. I mean, this is where I was coming from, which. It was a different angle than you. You were focusing a lot more on the like who are the people that are being healed? I was focusing more on the like the encounter of God with human beings. Um
1: Yeah. Which are different. Well, I don't think they're disconnected.
0: Yeah. That's true. That's true. They're, you know, who who is being cleansed and and how? Yeah. Yeah. God does something for these people. These people are outcasts, are not members of the fold, but God does something for them yeah. anyway and they respond.
1: Yeah. It, and are then welcomed into the fold yeah
0: you know it's such a basic message but i think it's one that it it bears repeating often is that god does work in our lives and Mm -hmm. we are we are to cooperate with him and i want to encourage people to like i one of the things that i think about a lot with these kinds of readings is that god has the power to heal me and i should ask him <laughs> I should ask yeah. him to heal yeah, me.
1: Exactly, because <laughs> be honest, <laughs> yeah. Because
0: sometimes I'm suffering, and sometimes I'm in pain, or sometimes I'm, you know, covered with mm-hmm. sores, and I want to be healed. You know, and
1: yeah,
2: I, I believe that. Yeah, that's that an interesting
1: healed. thing that I wonder about sometimes. And I've got this whole rant about. Well, I'm not going to get into Lord of the Rings here, but um, you know, people when they think. When they pray for God to be more active in the world, what they what they're actually saying for the most part is, "I want somebody else to take care of this mm. so that I don't have to mm. and that's never been how God works
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: uh, that's never been the case, and yet we still every single time come back to that, Lord, come do this for me
0: right when what God wants is like okay well i'll meet you half I'll meet you halfway in the sense of like we'll walk this path together, you know." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well cool man. Um Yeah. Any other any parting thoughts there on what, what your homily might take shape as?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm really leaning more towards um focusing on on that one leper that came back, that mm-hmm. um foreigner. Um, but also taking it into a, a sacramental into the sacramental realm to say, look, um this is this is the miracle that we've been given, but our faith is demanding another response from us yeah. to carry on, and, and that's where the sacraments come in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We can't just have it be this subjective side where we say, you know, I feel healed, I feel happy, I feel whatever. It's like, well, okay, do I encounter God in the actual objective, you know, right. sacramental right. life of the church that he gave us, really and truly?
1: Yeah, you know? and that's, I mean, that's the Eucharist, that's coming face to face with the body of Christ.
0: Yeah. Amen. Cool, man. Um, sounds great. This looks like it's going to be a good start for the week. I love, I love having these thoughts in the back of my mind when I approach like on Friday or Saturday, you know? Uh huh. Yeah, me too. It's great. Or what it's worth, maybe just a public service announcement. Anybody listening, uh, if, if uh, you don't know how this quite works, I, one of the things that I think we both hope for is that this isn't really giving a full blown homily, but it's, it's us just giving you ideas of maybe what you can take to prayer over the next few days as you prepare for Mass on Sunday. So take this as an opportunity for then you to go talk to the Lord about how these readings are speaking to you.
1: Yeah, and this is intended at least to be. I know it's called homily prep, um, but it's a way even for those of you that are sitting in the pews to prepare for the homily. There it is. Uh, so that you have an idea of maybe what to expect or. If your priest or deacon has a different take, then that's part of your prayer. That's part of the conversation that goes on with the engagement with the readings.
0: Amen. Amen. All right, man. Sounds good. Well, I look forward to next week. All right, brother. Absolutely. All right, dude. See you then. Peace.